today on Ag News Daily. Until we get some moisture in that region and can get our soil moisture built back up a little bit better, we're going to see wheat values. You know, we're pressured. We're still a little bit overvalued in the global market, but our downside is going to be limited uh, until we can see some better weather. Well, the first episode of Christmas Week, Ag News Daily Edition here, December 19th, 2022. Episode brought to you again by Mystic Lubricants. For a full look at their line of products, visit mysticlubes.com. That is M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Merry Christmas early, Delaney. We'll probably say that every day this week. Oh, we sure will, Tanner. I've got some Christmas facts ready for us this week, too. Oh, I wouldn't expect anything less. This week's, or today's, I should say, are related to poinsettias. Is that how you say that? I've always called them poinsettias. Um, I think it's poinsettias. I don't know. It's I-A-S, <laughs> so I would say it that way. But I think you can say it potato, potato. That's probably fair. What do you got today? Well, poinsettias, of course, are the Christmas tree or the Christmas plant uh, of the season. And so here's a couple of fun facts for you. According to the USDA Census of Horticulture, they split poinsettia sales into two different categories, plants bigger than five inches and plants smaller than five inches. And Tanner, which do you think of those two categories make the larger percentages of sales? I feel like they've got to be the bigger ones because I feel like everyone that gets delivered here is huge. You're right. 73% of all poinsettia Plant sales are five inches or taller, Tanner. So good job there. A lot of poinsettias are grown actually in the United States. U.S. poinsettia growers sold 95% of the 2019 crop via wholesale, while the other 5% were sold via retail. And actually, here's a fun trivia question for you as well. How many producers sold poinsettias in 2019, Tanner. Oh my gosh. Uh, 500? 500 what? Oh, sorry. Producers. How many poinsettias were sold? Not producers. Oh, I was sitting there. Okay. Um, let's stick with 500 and go 500,000. Ooh, not even close. In 2019, U.S. producers sold nearly 47 million potted poinsettias. Oh. Which is actually four times the number of Christmas trees sold. That's impressive. I wouldn't have expected any of those, Delaney. Good job starting off the week with some fun facts for our listeners. Not sure I'm going to be able to keep it up from here, but that's what I got today. You're going to have to. You set the expectations here on Monday. But let's get into the news so we can get wrapped up and ready for your market close for the day. Of course, I didn't expect that number of poinsettias to be sold. Uh, but I think a lot of the countries expecting this winter storm that's coming right down our holiday week, the dead center of it. Cold weather will replace the snow and ice in northern plains. Wind chill warnings are in effect. The National Weather Service has several severe weather warnings in place. As we look here, this is projected, Delaney, to be one of the the third busiest holiday travel since 2000. And it doesn't look like conditions are going to be very favorable. So a lot of weather services are cautioning you to expect delays. There is substantial snowfall 
expected to fall in areas ranging from Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, as it pushes through to the eastern coast. It's going to start maybe late day Tuesday in the Colorados, dumping a couple inches of snow, and then continue to push eastward as the cold front comes. Once the snow hits, we're looking at feels like temperatures in the negative 40s for our friends in both North and South Dakota, as well as Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, and Missouri are looking at the negative 20s. It does not look like that's going to be a lot of fun, especially if you're out the Billings, Montana direction. Negative 50 feel like temperatures are projected, Delaney. So try to get to where you're going and make sure you have enough supplies to stay hunkered down inside is what it sounds like for Christmas this year. Did you say negative 40 degrees temperatures? That's correct. Feels like. Yeah, I'll be staying inside for sure. That is not a fun, like, go build snowmen on Christmas Day kind of weather. That is correct. No, that is part of that Arctic freeze that those frigid temperatures that you were reporting last week will be pushing pushing through this winter storm and will replace the snow with those very cold temperatures. Well, Tanner, speaking of weather, the... Argentinian planting delays continue to follow suit here as they're still seeing really dry conditions. The situation in South America continues that we've seen here in the past couple of months. And central Brazil has seen plentiful rainfall, whereas Argentina, Tanner, the drought continues. That certainly, of course, has an impact in the commodity markets, and which we'll talk to Carl Setzer about here in just a moment. But for the week ending December 17th, it was the sixth warmest and sixth driest second full week of December in over 30 years for much of major growing regions in Argentina, according to data from Weather Trends 360. And they're saying hotter weather is continuing to be on the way. Yeah, that is something that I saw in headlines as well today. So I'm glad that you covered that. Speaking of warmer weather, let's go down to Texas for my next piece of news. El Paso, Texas mayor said their border city has declared a state of emergency Saturday over concerns about the community's ability to handle the anticipated influx of migrants across their southern border. Delaney, have you heard of Title 42? I have not. Please enlighten me. Yeah, so I had been catching winds uh, of this the last couple of days, but Title 42 is soon to expire, and it is part of the border policy. So the Center for Disease Control and Prevention announced earlier this month that the Trump-era public health restriction that prevented asylum seekers from crossing the border into the U.S. due to the coronavirus pandemic that was effective May through May of 2023 will now be lifted by the Biden administration. And that is expected to be lifted here this week. This policy is known as Title 42, which uh, has been widely criticized by the Democrats and immigration advocates. This is uh, strange, though, that the policy was controlled by CDC. uh, And of course, is going to have a lot of different opinions as far as that goes. But With that being lifted this week, it looks like, according to these articles, that there is a huge influx of those south of our border congregating and preparing for those uh, for Title 42 to be lifted. But now there's extra concern as we talk about the cold temperatures pushing down. That is potentially going to put temperatures in Texas and the border to freezing 
which is not good for people that are going to be stuck outdoors. Of course, the ruling last Friday came from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which means these restrictions would have prevented hundreds of thousands of migrants from seeking asylum in the U.S. is now going to be lifted on Wednesday. There are further appeals being filed, but as of right now, it looks like the date of Wednesday, which would be the 21st, could potentially be the day that we see up to 6,000 additional migrants per day crossing over the border into Texas. That's not including our other border states, Delaney. So it'll be quite interesting to see what comes about later this week. It certainly will, Tanner. And later this month, if not early next month, we should see official word on what's going to go on here between the Mexico and U.S. related to the GM crop ban. As we know, Mexico has shared a few updates since their original update that they were going to ban genetically modified corn, but they have said now that they aim to reach an agreement with the United States likely in January over the pending Mexico ban on imports of genetically modified corn. Tanner feels a little bit like whiplash year going back and forth to decide what they're going to do on this, but they have until at least 2024 to decide what to do. Uh, But in a statement, the ministry said talks would continue in the meantime as the two sides work to find a mutual understanding that gives a legal certainty to all parties, likely because, as we've seen, Secretary Vilsack and other U.S. leaders have not so much as threatened, but have indicated that there would be repercussions if they did not make good on their USMCA trade commitments. Yeah, that's not great news. But let's pause here for a message from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Delaney, maybe also some not great news for the state of California is the number of farmers that are fleeing the state. The headline here is, are California farmers really leaving for greener pastures? We know the news sounds like a broken record here as we've talked about the drought that has hit California. We've reported on many a times throughout the year, this dire drought continues to cause fear for dairy farmers in California. They're now seeing dairies relocate further east in larger numbers than expected. Today, nearly 80% of the U.S. is covered by drought and dry conditions like we've talked about. But dairy herds are extremely reliable on consist- or reliant on consistent feedstuffs and access to water. So right now, it doesn't look good for those dairy farmers in California as water restrictions are now being imposed and causing a lot more of a headache for their industry. So as they push further east, Dairy farmers are now looking for other places with great grazing conditions and crop feedstuffs to help solidify the feed source for their animals. The number of milk cows on farms in more than 24 major states is 8.93 million head, according to the latest milk production report. That's 42,000 head more than the last report, Delaney, in October. So it's interesting to see dairies expanding 
But now Rabo Research, who was the data behind this article, is going to explore the idea of more dairy cows migrating towards the center of the country than the earlier years and reports. And of course, Delaney, that's all driven around water and water access. So it'll be interesting to see here what continues to happen. Maybe dairies consolidate in California. Maybe they relocate further east. But either way, it's going to produce, excuse me, it's going to produce a significant opportunity for beef cattle producers that may be able to take over some of these dairy cattle facilities in California if the money is right. But we'll continue to monitor this, too, to see if more dairies continue to exit California. Well, Tanner, we also got word today that the controversial Chinese corn mill that was planned for North Dakota has officially been approved after it went to a federal committee last week that concluded they don't have the jurisdiction in North Dakota over the foreign land purchase to ban it, despite the proximity that we see it to an Air Force base in South Dakota. This is Fufeng, USA released a letter last week from the Committee on the Foreign Investment in the United States, stating that the Committee of Government Officials had concluded it has no jurisdiction to review their purchase of 370 acres uh, on land about 12 miles from the Grand Forks Air Force Base, Tanner. This, of course, was very controversial as they are a Chinese-based company headquartered in China and a large producer of various cornstarch products and food additives. But by all means, they have continued to get the green light here and will move forward on a North Dakota facility in 2023. That's a little bit surprising as we had reported on other states trying to limit the number of acres and land sold to foreign entities. So probably a story we will report on multiple times here coming up in the future, but also news today, the Senate cleared the annual defense policy, pushing $858 billion into our military. This defense spending bill was actually pushed through last Thursday uh, and will continue to help our budget grow. So it looks like the Defense Department gave troops uh, a raise. They also dropped the mandate for troops to be required to have the COVID-19 vaccine. This bill went through linked to the Water Resources Development Act that we reported on last week, Delaney. The bill granted an $800 million taxpayer-funded utility to Ukraine Security Alliance initiative to help the Ukrainians defend themselves against the ongoing Russian invasion. They already, the U.S. has already sent $68 billion in humanitarian and military assistance to Ukraine. They also, while they passed this, boosted the Pentagon's budget by $45 billion more than what President Biden had requested. That included a $19 billion adjustment for inflation projections. The military, as stated, gets a 4.6% pay raise. More than $800 million, like I said, is going to Ukraine. The president now has the authority to give up to $1 billion worth of weapons and ammunition to Taiwan. There is a $1 billion earmark to resupply our nation's defense stockpile. And it also is going to uh, amend a couple of policies in the Pentagon. But it's quite interesting, Delaney, to see that as the uh, Water Resources Development Act went through last week that we reported on that allows 
the dredging of the rivers uh, and replenishment of natural resources and continued research had this bill tacked on to it. So it looks like we will continue to have to monitor how these bills go through. But a big move here for part of the lame duck session before the end of year closes out and everybody dismisses for the holidays. And we see some people transition out of office, Tanner. That's correct. You're right. I almost had forgotten about that. Let's take one more break here before your next story to uh, get a message from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Tanner, I tell you what, I'm all out of news for today. Aside from markets, things are pretty quiet as we slow down and wind down for the end of the year. How about we hit markets before we chat markets with Carl Setzer? Let's do it. All right. Well, we certainly saw some weakness today, which we'll get into here in just a bit. But March, old crop corn closed down five and three quarters cents today at 647 and a quarter. New crop corn gave up two and two quarters cents at 595 and a quarter. January soybeans down 19 and a quarter cent today at 1460 and three quarters. New crop settled at $13.81, down eight pennies on the day. Tanners, we hop over to take a look at hard red winter wheat. March today down just a half a cent to close at 843 and a half. And livestock today certainly had some mixed trade as the February live cattle contract added 27 and a half cents, settling at a buck 56.05. January feeders shed a dollar 67 and a half to close at 182.10. And February lean hogs down seven pennies on the day to close at 85.70. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to our final Market Monday conversation of 2022. Well, folks, we are chatting today with Carl Setzer, brokerage research lead at Midco Commodities. Carl, certainly excited to have you on as it's been a little while, but we know you got a good take on what's going on in the market. So thanks again for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Carl, as we look at today's current market situation here, certainly had a little bit of a sell-off, especially in the soybean markets. What was weighing on that today? The soybeans got hit by a couple things today. The the first pressure started to come on South America when we saw these weather weather patterns start to shift a little bit wetter. Um, some more rains to move in, especially that central uh, Brazil area, southern Brazil, and then into Argentina. Uh, the question is, is how much damage has already been done to the crops? We have seen some damage down there. There's no doubt about that, especially in Argentina. The thing is, is the heavy rains in Brazil likely increasing their crop at a point now we're probably at one-to-one bushels being lost in South America to bushels being gained in, in northern Brazil. So we'll keep an eye on that. Soybeans also just kind of ran out of pressure today. Uh, you know, we're sitting here looking at it going into year-end. Funds holding a, a longer position in that soy complex. Um, you know, they've liquidated much of their corn and wheat, and that's why the, the losses there are not nearly as substantial. But soybeans backing off on, on a little bit of year-end profit-taking there. 
And then the big picture, looking at China, uh, elevated cases of COVID in China, and, and it appears as though it's possibly the worst it's been in several months over there after they lifted their uh, COVID uh, restrictions. And when they did that, it was immediately thought in the market we would see this big jump in demand on soybeans. That just has not developed. Looks like it's going to be, you know, could be even less demand than we were projecting. So we're going to keep a real close eye on that. China is really being a factor in everything we see going on in the market right now. Yeah, China is playing a big role in this too. But it seems like in the corn market, we've got some pretty strong demand within our own borders because the national average basis is now sitting at 14 cents over. Is that typical for this time of year or is it sitting stronger? No, we are seeing some strength in basis uh, domestically. The U.S. farmer, he pretty much locked the bins up once he got done with harvest, has everything sold that he wants to, all the marketing done for the year. Uh, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of feed demand step in. The export demand still pretty sluggish, so we're not seeing the river take any bushels away from us. And, of course, the Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, we're seeing some movement up there, but but not as much as we would like to. Uh, ethanol has held in pretty good. We've seen big ethanol production numbers. The thing is, on the other side, we're not seeing that ethanol consumption. Margins starting to leak out a little bit on the ethanol processing. I expect that to put a little bit of pressure on, on corn as you move forward. But um, historically, you know, this is a time of year. Once we get into January, we do tend to see a bump in movement. Trade will be paying very close attention to that this year. If we don't, we're going to see that value, uh, basis value hold strong. Could even see it appreciate a little bit more. So, Carl, as we head into 2023, of course, the acreage discussion is going to start, or probably already has started in some parts of the country. As far as the corn and soybean ratios go right now, what's the market saying as far as where acres are going to be? Yeah, we're sitting at about 2.3 to 1, meaning 2.3 bushels of corn to equal one bushel of soybeans. And, of course, that's beast corn, November soybeans. That's a little bit firmer than what we would like to meet, to see, meaning it gives corn a little bit of an advantage in in the spread. Uh, the the group informal was out today with their estimates and, and left them unchanged from last month, putting corn 92 million acres for 2023. That is up 3.4 million from what we seeded uh, in 2022. Soybean acres coming in at 88.5 million, up 1.1 million. Right now, farmers are sitting back looking at you know, not necessarily where they're going to see their greatest return, but a lot of focus on what's going to be my lowest cost of production. And right now that favors soybeans a little bit over corn. We continue to see uh, fertilizer values for corn remain, you know, historically high. Now they have receded a little bit, but still um, sitting here looking at it, you know, farmers, uh, they're not going to cut back on corn that much. You tend to see rotations hold. Uh, I don't I don't see, you know, the price ratio, even though it favors corn buying in more acres. I really don't see a lot of soybeans being lost because of the inputs. It's going to be kind of a touchy situation. Um, weather will be the ultimate dictator in what we see as far as any, you know, potentially shifting from one crop to the other. But for the most part, I would go along with what Informa is putting out, uh, you know, as far as corn versus acres. Those seem to be some pretty 
pretty accurate numbers. So before we jump over to the livestock side of things, what kind of role is the Russia and Ukraine uh, distraction going to continue to have for our wheat producers and what we've got going on here? I know there's a conversation scheduled for this week, but what are we looking at? Yeah, we're looking at the wheat, and, and you know, it, it looks like things are slowing down. We knew that. Um, you know, starting to see the, the exports out of the Black Sea. We continue to have, uh, you know, the war escalating. You know, in the past two days, Ukraine has only loaded out four total vessels. The shipping cost, everything else. Now, Russia continues to offer wheat at a considerable discount to the global market. The thing with Russia, though, is, you know, we're having a hard time getting vessels in there to get it loaded out, and they're they're suffering from winter concerns on their own. A big crop out of Australia is offsetting a lot of that. Matter of fact, the Australian crop coming in about 36.6 million metric tons, the latest estimate, 2.2 million metric tons over what the USDA is estimating. And then you look at, you know, the quality also getting better. The flip side is, well, that's all putting pressure on the market. In the United States here, we continue to be dry in the southern plains until we get some moisture in that region and can get our soil moisture built back up a little bit better. We're going to see wheat values. You know, we're pressured. We're still a little bit overvalued in the global market, but our downside is going to be limited uh, until we can see some better weather. And as you look out to new crop wheat, uh, you know, even though we're seeing losses on the nearby contract, those deferreds are holding in there much better, and I expect to see that continue. So, Carl, as we take a look at livestock today, certainly seeing mixed trade on the board between live cattle and feeder cattle. What's going on there in the cattle complex? Uh, you know, the, the cattle this week, it, it, cash trade pretty much untested, not seeing a lot going on. Uh, we're looking at a big spread here. Uh, we did get the Chinese import data out for the month of November. And again, you know, their their beef imports up 39% from a year ago for the month of November. Year-to-date beef exports up 15.1%. Um, China looking at some beef, and that's given us a little bit of support. The flip side of that, the U.S. consumer after the uh, Christmas holiday wouldn't be too surprising to see our demand back off a little bit. Trade's expecting that, and that's capping it a little bit, uh, you know, the entire complex. And you look at those feeders, uh, $182 feeders uh, versus what you're seeing on the fat cattle and corn values holding in there. Guys very hesitant to fill their lots at these values, and I expect to see that continue um, feeders are going to have to back off a little bit from this $180, $185 mark in order to be competitive in the market. Otherwise, guys will just let them lot sit empty. So, Carl, as we wrap up our Market Monday conversation, did we miss anything else that we should be paying attention to this week before Christmas? Uh, you know, it's going to be real thin. It's going to be real volatile. That is pretty much well known in the market. Um, you know, as we head into December, I think we got to, in the end of December, year end, month end, quarter end, I think we got to watch a little bit closely on these outside markets, see what we see for shifting out there. And of course, that crude complex, crude oil down to 75 bucks a barrel, up a little bit today, but on the overall schemes, it's really backed off. That's starting to put some pressure on our renewable fuels. And like we mentioned before, the margin's starting to slip a little bit there. I think we're going to have to really watch them as we move forward here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, uh, the outsides is where I'm going to 
I think we're going to draw more attention and more market mover uh, participation from them outside markets than we will from actually on the corn, soybeans, and wheat. Well, Carl, we know that Angie is certainly active on social media and with commentary, but if any of our listeners have questions or want to pick your brain, where can they find you? Best way, send me an email to ksetzer at midco.com, and I will get back to you promptly. Fantastic, Carl. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. There you go. It's always good to catch up with Carl. It had been a while since we got him on, but appreciate his perspective. I didn't realize this would be the final one of the year. 2023 is going to be here before we know it, Delaney. It certainly is. It's like 10 days away, Tanner, so you better be ready for it because it's coming whether you're ready or not. That's right. So we will make the episodes for the rest of the year worth your time. So that way we can squeeze some really good information in here in a short amount of time. Delaney, that's all I've got for today. What do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.